Amen, amen. Thank you so much, Hannah and Nick. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Happy Tuesday. I hope you all had a wonderful, restful, uh, and celebratory, labor-free, hopefully, uh, break, except you're probably getting into syllabuses and maybe setting your course for the year, and uh, things are picking up pace uh, rather quickly. And uh, this, this morning, uh, my, my heart and my goal, uh, and really for this whole week, as we talk about the mission of chapel, and for those of you who are new students, and this is uh, just your second week here, for those of you who are returning students, that there, there are some things that I want us as a community to be reminded of, and to really have this week, as we talk about the mission of chapel, but even more specifically how that ties into uh, the, the end of our, the, the purpose of our spiritual development, that it's really a trajectory setting week. And uh, so I, I want to spend some time really zooming out to kind of look at the big picture, and then we're going to spend some focus time zooming in at a particular text um, of Scripture that in recent years has become so near and dear to me. So uh, I wanted to begin uh, just by talking about the mission of chapel. And uh, th there's a slide that's going to come up on screen just to talk through some of the core tenets of every single chapel and any spiritual development credit event that you may attend or participate in has three core values in mind. And uh, we remember, if you remember last Wednesday when we had our first time in here and we went and talked about the, 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 like the mission of chapel as encountering God together in community, here are the, some of the values of how we go about doing that. And the number one is first is that it's Christ-centered. And so we, we want to have creative and diverse content, uh, both through the way that scripture is taught through expressions of prayer and of worship that, that have uh, an expression of the whole body of Christ. And, uh, and Christ-centered, you think kind of no, you know, well, obviously no doubt, we're coming here for Christ-centered education. And sometimes I think we can get the, the misconception that Christ-centeredness means that it's going to be comfortable or it's going to be safe. Um, you can expect to be uncomfortable in this room. You can expect there to be tension. You can expect there to be things that um, maybe are going to conflict with your worldview or your denomination or growing up. But the intent is to help us continue to step outside of ourselves with us at the center and all the more as a community to have Christ as the center, as one who holds all things together. And uh, secondly is uh, transformation focused. So this idea, it, it, you're, one of the amazing things about Northwestern um, is that no matter what your vocation, no matter what your major, um, no matter what classes you're in, that, that you are being taught from a Christ center, from a biblical foundation and, and developing a Christian worldview in whatever academic discipline uh, you may find yourselves in. But one of the beautiful things is that uh, this idea, we want to integrate our faith with our learning, but also with our living. What does this look like? We don't want to just receive information when we gather together. Yes, there'll be some things that'll be new that we'll hear, but the purpose of that is to further us along in our onward, lifelong journey of, of transformation. And then lastly, it's community-oriented. I like to think about it this way. Think less about me and I uh, when you come to chapel or any spiritual development credit event and more about us and we. And so, uh, again, I, I always like to phrase it this way. God always has something for you when you're here, but he also has something through you. So notice the people that are around you. And uh, community-oriented, it's encountering God together in community. There's a community aspect of the way that the Lord works when we gather together for a united purpose that's unlike any other gathering on the face of this planet. 
And so this is, this is a, a unique and a special privilege and a distinctive of Northwestern that we have the opportunity to gather together every single day in community. And so with those three values in mind, what I want to do is I want to just take a zoom out real briefly uh, and uh, I want us to look at the overarching theme of this year. And the overarching theme is this, um, is abundant life from John 10.10. And that simply says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come as the good shepherd to give life and to give life abundantly. You see, Christians, we're not just pro-life, we are pro-abundant life. From the womb to the tomb and beyond, because the life that Jesus gives is his very own life, and it's an everlasting life. It's a life that lasts forever, that nothing can snatch away from us because of the one who has given it to us and secures it by his own shed blood on the cross in an empty tomb. And so we are pro-abundant life, but woven into this year, we're going to be doing something unique, and we're going to be looking at a, a pro-life series where we're going to uh, have a woven in through this theme of abundant life, we're going to examine the full scope of what a Christian perspective of pro-life looks like that honors and represents the sanctity of every aspect of human life. And so uh, Dr. Kierden is going to be in chapel tomorrow, and we'll be sharing uh, more about that. But on a rhythm of once a month, uh, and some months more, we'll have um, some, some unique aspects where we're going to be weaving that into this theme of abundant life throughout the course of this upcoming year. So our overarching theme is abundant life. Here, here are the kind of the sub-themes and how the quads are going to be broken up. Again, we're zooming out here, just giving you the overview, and then we're going to zoom in. So here are the, thub, the sub-themes are these, identity, intimacy, and impact. See, I think the enemy seeks to steal our identity, he wants to kill our intimacy, and he wants to destroy our impact. Yet, our good shepherd comes with authority over the devil's schemes and releases life so that our identity, intimacy, and impact are founded upon the very life of Christ. And so for just an overview of quads one and two, we're going to be unpacking this theme of identity as it pertains to abundant life. In September, beginning this month, uh, we're going to be looking at just the rich biblical imagery of what it means to be in Christ. What does it mean as your identity to be a beloved son or daughter of a perfect heavenly father? What does that look like? Where do we find that? How can we grow deep roots of security and trust in who Jesus says I am? That's, that's September. October, we're going to be looking at how God's divine image is bared in and through different cultures, identity and culture. And so we're going to be, uh, whether, whether that is linguistically, whether that is ethnically, whether that's dealing with different, uh, different challenges, different disabilities, uh, different, uh, uh, different races, we're going to be looking at some difficult issues of how is the image of Christ, our identity, expressed through the various cultures in this world, knowing that Every culture is made up of people, and every person is made in the image of God. Therefore, every culture has something to share with us that we can learn from to know more of what God is like as our creator. And then in November, we're going to be looking at identity and sexuality. How, how is it that God, as he's made us male and female, and in a, a sexually crazed and confused culture, how can we display our identity as beloved sons and daughters in the midst of this culture in the midst of, and how do we express in healthy ways the one who designed sexuality, which is God himself. 
And then November, or December, we'll have a, a brief Advent series um, and, uh, as we go into finals. And then quad, uh, quad three, we're going to be looking at intimacy with God and others. Quad four, we're going to be looking at our impact in the world. And what you can expect as a weekly rhythm here in chapel is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's going to be some shape or form of, of someone speaking, whether it's somebody inside Northwestern or outside. Um, every Tuesday, the unique aspect is we're te- Tuesdays are really testimony Tuesdays. Um, we're giving those over to uh, students, allowing them to hear from one another. So you're going to be hearing whether a student speaker or student testimony or a series of student testimonies. And beginning this month, we're going to be having a series of student life staff sharing testimonies. And then uh, on Thursday, unique aspect, again, that's a different change, the programmatic change with moving to spiritual development credit, is that there are no chapels in Night Hall on Thursday. So there's only alternative chapels all throughout campus. So keep that in mind. So if you come here on Thursday... It's going to be empty. So make sure you look ahead and look on the rock and everything's posted and updated and refreshed each week. So before you come in that you can know what alternative chapels are available um, every Wednesday and every Thursday. So, but every Thursday, there's no alternative chapel in here that's only going to be out in different spaces throughout campus. And then Friday um, is always going to be Praise Chapel. We're going to unite around worship. We're going to have singing that celebrates. And one of the cool things we'll also be doing, um, and then we're going we're gonna to zoom in here for the last part to this particular text that I'm excited to jump into is uh, we're going to be walking through and applying uh, the book of Ephesians together. And so um, almost every week we're going to be hearing a message out as we walk through uh, the book of Ephesians as it really impacts these themes of identity, of intimacy, and impact. So last thing I'll share again, just a brief overview of spiritual development credit. And uh, we are ch- replacing and have replaced our chapel paradigm with spiritual development credit. And we recognize that we do that because we recognize that chapel is a means to a greater end. That's our spiritual development. And we recognize that spiritual development happens in a beautiful multitude of other ways throughout campus. And so what we've done is we've diversified the pathways for you as a student uh, to meet your responsibility for a certain amount of credits each quad. And so two-thirds of that still needs to be obtained by coming to chapel, or that's roughly two out of three days each week. So that's, um, uh, you know, whether, in, whether you're here, uh, it doesn't matter what days, Monday through Friday, you can pick any two days. Um, if you choose to, you can come on an average of three days a week and just meet your spiritual development credit requirement just by coming to chapel if you choose to. But you also have the option um, to have up to eight credits or one-third of your credit requirement uh, to, that can be obtained by participating in things outside of the chapel period. And so uh, keep that in mind as you're looking through your week and as you're planning that out. Um, to, to be in chapel on average two days a week and then to be out engaged in whether that's a floor Bible study, whether that's a worship night, whether that's an academic or athletic department event. Um, we have beautiful um, opportunities for us to uh, be spiritually developed together. Um, how many of you guys saw that Instagram video that was put together? The, the, the chapel, RIP chapel credit? Okay, if you haven't, you should check it out. And you can follow us on Instagram uh, at the uh, chapel.unwsp. Um, uh, for, more, for more information as we'll have videos each week updating. So for the remainder of our time, I want to get into um, this text in John chapter 10. And if you have uh, a copy of the scriptures with you, I want to encourage you, first and foremost, once, when you do come to chapel, bring a copy of the scriptures. Um, our goal is to always be hearing from um, the words of life, uh, from the word of God. And so uh, I want us to hear this morning from John chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 18, and we're going to see how 
abundant life is tied to identity, intimacy, and impact. So as you're turning there, let me just give you the big idea. Here, here's the big idea. If I could summarize John 10, 1 through 18, in one big idea, it would be this. It'll come up on screen for you. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives abundant life to his beloved sheep. Say that again. Jesus is the good shepherd who gives abundant life to his beloved sheep. And again here, abundant life, and this word coming from verse 10, is that which is considerably more than what could be expected or anticipated. It is life that is super abundant. It's the difference of having life like a cup that you have to fill up and gets poured out and it gets emptied each day and you got to pour it out and fill it out versus having life that's more like a fountain with Jesus as the source that never runs dry, with Jesus as the center, and there will always have a balance and you always have that point of reference that's unchanging. You always have that north star to which you can orient your entire life around. That is what we're talking about when we say abundant life. And so we're going to explore three ways how Jesus does this. How does he give abundant life to his beloved sheep? The first is this, by securing our identity through his sacrifice. By securing our identity through his sacrifice. Read with me in John 10, starting in verse 1. Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, which by the way, Jesus says truly, truly, listen up. He's got something coming, okay? Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for he does not, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech used, Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So in other words, Jesus here is talking really to what's believed to be kind of a mixed crowd of some followers, some believers, his disciples are probably mingled in, but a majority of them are Uh, some of the scribes and the Pharisees, the religious leaders in Jesus' day. And he uses this illustration of what our relationship with Jesus is like, that it's like that of a shepherd and their sheep. Now, uh, how many of you grew up knowing and having that image in your mind, like out in the culture? Anyone actually raised on a farm? Okay, no? Okay, so this is like, maybe for to us, this is a little bit of a foreign concept. Okay, shepherd and sheep, yeah, we heard about this in Sunday school, but we actually haven't seen this out in like real life. But for Jesus' audience in ancient Palestine, um, they knew that the shepherd and the sheep had a noteworthy reputation. You see, sheep, uh, they were in constant danger. Whether it was from thieves that would actually, robbers that would come in and steal the sheep themselves because they were valuable, or whether it was from wild beasts like bears or lions that would come in as the shepherds were out in the wilderness. And they relied on the shepherd to keep them safe. And often they were out in the open country, and what shepherds would do is they would construct a, a, a sheep pen where actually multiple flocks, multiple sheep herds could come in, and then they, they, could, they could keep them safe at night. And one of the standout features of shepherds and their sheep 
was their close and trusted relationship. You see, uh, sheep uh, and sheep herders and, and shepherds in the West, um, they, would, they would have sheep for the purposes of their, of their meat, uh, whereas in ancient East, they, they, would, they would have sheep for the purpose of cultivating their wool. And often, shepherds would begin doing the, their job when they were just, when they were very young, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. So they would develop this really tight and unique bond. I mean, how many of you guys have a pet, pet at home, right? How many of you guys have a pet and they, 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 you know them and they know you, right? They know your voice, okay? You know what their bark or their meow sounds like, okay? You know that. So this is, think of it this way. Shepherds had a flock of pets, okay? And they cared deeply for them. And most shepherds had a specific call for their sheep, which only their sheep would follow. And, you know, a unique thing that was cool, what would actually happen is that when multiple sheep herds would be in one sheep pen... Um, and at the end of the, in the morning, the shepherds needed to figure out whose sheep are their own. The shepherd would stand outside the pen, and they would do their own unique call, and all the ears of the sheep that were theirs would perk up, and they would follow after their shepherd. And so they knew what that sounded like, and it's interesting, I can't even like, imitate it, but sometimes I, I read some sources that they weren't even like actual words. They were just certain you know, things, like, like, like noises that, that do- doesn't even sound like a like, a, like a, an intelligible language. You know, I, I love it. It's when my son, Bennett, he's two, um, he's learning animal noises, and, and I love it. I go through all the line, but when I, do, when I get to sheep, I said, Bennett, what does a sheep say? He gets a big smile on his face, and he goes, bah! <laughs> so maybe the sheep shepherd is, has a certain version of that, and when the sheep hear that, they know that, and they go out and they follow their shepherd. But I love this. That they don't have a specific just a specific call. Jesus says here is that the shepherd calls them by name. A shepherd knows, loves, and leads. He feeds and guides and protects his sheep. That often shepherds would actually have individual names for their sheep. And yet the foundation of knowing who we are, knowing our identity, is knowing who God is. And I love this here. Jesus' audience they're, they're confused. At the end of this, they're like, okay, we don't, where are you, where are you getting, where are you, where are you going with this, Jesus? And he, and he continues in verse 7, and he says, so Jesus said, uh, again, said to them, truly, truly, listen up, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. He says it again. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. We receive abundant life because Jesus has secured our identity by his sacrifice. And he says two I am statements in these, in these verses. First, he says that I am the door. Remember I talked about how uh, there's these, the sheep pens that were constructed out and multiple sheep herds would, would spend the night in them? Um, well, there wasn't a door, or there wasn't like a gate that would f- actually flip open. The shepherd, or one of the shepherds um, themselves, would actually lay across and sleep um, at, at the threshold of that opening of the gate. So they would literally become the door. So that the only way in or out was over the shepherd's body. And so Jesus here is saying, I am the way in to real life. I am the way in for abundant life. 
It's through the body of Christ. And here we see this allusion to the fact that he lays down his life, laying down his life for the sheep. And the metaphor, people in the audience understood that, but what he's talking about is he's pointing to the cross. I'm laying down my life. I am the door. I am the way. I am the gate. And Jesus, uh, and then secondly, says that he is the good shepherd. And here, good, and there's two different words in original language for good. One just is just talking about just of a moral quality, but there's another word that has a sense of sweet loveliness that is excellent and praiseworthy. That's the, that there's something unique about this. And this, this, is, this, is, this is what the word is used here of Jesus being the good shepherd. It's not just one of, 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 uh, of a certain quantity of morality, but of a quality of a person, of who he is, not just what he does. It was said that constant vigilance, fearless courage, and patient love for the flock were the necessary characteristics of the shepherd. So if we're even going to look at who, who is the shepherd, how is this goodness displayed? How is this goodness revealed? Jesus is our good shepherd. He has the authoritative voice of revealing to us who we are. And when it comes to your identity, whose voice are you listening to? We have an enemy whose name is Satan, but we have a shepherd whose name is Jesus. And our shepherd is sovereign in our chaos. Our shepherd is forever faithful in our faithlessness. Our shepherd is powerful in our weakness. Our shepherd is graciously accepting and forgiving in our unworthiness to belong. Our shepherd is all wise in our foolishness. Our shepherd is all loving in our selflessness. Our shepherd is ever present and patient in our proneness to wander. Our shepherd is holy in our lack of reverence. Friends, our shepherd is good. We look at the shepherd. We hear his voice. And Jesus, our good shepherd, secures our identity. Yet, according to this analogy, what are we like? Bah. Bah. Sheep. And the interesting thing about sheep, and many of you already know this, is that they were often stubborn. And far too many times, just downright stupid. Why? Because of sin. Sin makes you stupid. I don't know if you know that, but it does. And, and, and sheep here, now here, here's kind of like, oh, that doesn't feel so, like, what? It's supposed to be like build up and encouraging. Here's the encouraging part. When the sin of the sheep meets the grace of the shepherd, they're saved. They're brought in. And they're made new. And they're given a new identity. You see, the value of something is determined by what the price was, what one was willing to pay for it. Remember what was the price that was willing to be paid for the sheep? It was the very life of the good shepherd that was laid down. And you see, abundant life in us is possible only because the good shepherd laid down his life for us. Yet why did Jesus do this? It's because you and I are so greatly loved. You see, identity and intimacy and impact are themes this year in chapel um, because they are themes in the Bible. And more importantly, as we see here in this text, they're themes in the life and the ministry of Jesus. Even if I were to go back even a moment to another snapshot, another scene, at Jesus' baptism, God the Father bestows upon God the Son his blessed belovedness. Because of the gospel, the same belovedness is bestowed upon us. As Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now for those of you 
who are new around here, and you'll soon learn, you will soon learn that when I address you as a community, I like to pronounce an identity statement. Some of you are laughing already, right? I say beloved. I say it a lot. And I know while some of you may snicker, some of you may make memes, some of you maybe even have the tendency to, to joke uh, about, this, the, about this tendency of mine. My aim and desire for you is to be reminded every single time we gather together who you are in Christ. You're beloved. Turn to the person next to you and say, hello, beloved. Now, listen, listen to this. Listen to this. I want you to hear this. To those of you who are brand new students and excited about entering into a new chapter of life, your beloved. If, to those of you who are in your last semester and can't wait to transition out into your next chapter of life, your beloved. If you, for those of you who are attentive and you're hungry, you have your Bibles open, you're ready to learn, your beloved. To those of you who are feeling the need to leave early to get to class, we're almost done, your beloved. To those of you who are are here and you're upset that there's a requirement for you to be in chapel at a certain amount of times per quad, your beloved. To those of you who are distracted and you're on your laptop or phone right now, your beloved. To those of you who are feeling depressed, discouraged, desensitized to God's voice, your beloved. To those of you who are unsure about your faith and you feel paralyzed with doubts, your beloved. To those of you who are ready, to partner with Jesus, to storm the gates of hell and usher in revival on this campus once again, your beloved. To those of you who are ethnically, culturally, sexually, racially, linguistically different than the majority population of students around here, your beloved. To those of you who feel like something's missing in your spiritual life and can never measure up to your perceived standards of godliness, your beloved. To those of you who are traumatized by past hurts and wounds and you don't know how to get better, your beloved. To those of you who are addicted to substances, to pornography, or the opinions of others, your beloved. To those of you who are ready for a breakthrough and are expectant that this year will be your best year with Jesus than ever before, your beloved. So beloved, let's surrender together to our sovereign shepherd and let this year be the best year that you and Jesus have ever had. Now in our closing two to three minutes, stick with me. Let me just mention briefly, and I'm going to mention these briefly because we're going to be expounding upon these next semester. That's why we spent more time talking about the identity piece. Remember, Jesus is the good shepherd who gives abundant life to his beloved sheep. Here's the other two ways that he does this. Number two, by providing the path for intimacy through his passion. By providing the path of intimacy through his passion. In verse 14, he says, I am, again, the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Intimacy could be defined as into me, see. I have nothing to hide. And you see, that's why identity relates to, leads to intimacy, because in order to have intimacy, you need to share yourself. But in order to share yourself, you have to know yourself. But because Jesus, our good shepherd, declares who we are as his beloved, we can share ourselves with no guilt and no shame. So we can know others and be known. And the sheep are to the shepherd as Jesus is to the Father. And once again, knowing, this knowing of God and being known by him comes from listening to the shepherd's voice 
He knows you each by name. Jesus' passion, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection has torn the veil wide open and now gives you and I unhindered, eternal, every single day, every moment, complete access to his holy presence. And then thirdly, the other, the last way in this text that Jesus, as the good shepherd, gives abundant life to his beloved sheep is this, by equipping us for impact through the charge of the cross. Jesus says this in verse 16, and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. You see, intimacy is about knowing God. Impact is about making him known. Jesus said, I have other sheep too, and I must go get them. How does he do that? Friends, that's the Great Commission. In this case, the other sheep that Jesus is talking about wasn't the lost sheep of Israel to which he first came to, but he's talking about the Gentiles. He's talking about the nations. And you, you and I, it's whoever we would put under the category as the other. Somebody who's out there, someone who's a stranger, someone that we don't know. And we, were, we are to go out, and it says that, that he must bring them in so that they too will listen to his voice. You see, I love this, that Christianity is exclusively inclusive. No one person, denomination, or culture has the monopoly on Christ. Abundant life comes only through Christ, but it's available to anyone who comes. And the impact of this is true unity. You know, there's a word play in the original language here. That says, you know, one flock, one shepherd. He says, it's one sheep herd, one shepherd. It sounds so close. It's almost the same word, and that's true of us, that we actually have a oneness, a unity of soul with our Savior that testifies to the world that Jesus is who he says he is. And even though we bite, and even though we wander, and even though we, even though we, 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 we uh, are distracted, even though we're stubborn, even though we still stumble in sin, we can have a supernatural unity that testifies to Jesus as the Savior, and as the Lord, and as the Good Shepherd. And so, this Good Shepherd makes the supernatural possible because of the charge of the cross that Jesus voluntarily buried for us according to the will of the Father. Jesus gives us the charge of the cross to share and embody the message of his death and resurrection so that other sheep, too, may have abundant life. Beloved, let's pray. Father, I thank you for Jesus, our Good Shepherd, I thank you that throughout this text that we just looked at, four times it says that Jesus lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus, thank you for laying down your life for us. And I pray that we, as your beloved sheep, ones who have been generous recipients of your abundant life, would lay down our lives as well that we would lay it down for the gospel, that we would lay it down towards the fulfillment of the Great Commission, that we would lay it down and we would express love to you and love to others. That I pray that we would lay down this year and that we would joyfully submit and surrender to you, Jesus, as our sovereign shepherd. I pray that as, uh, as, as students go out, as they come in and as they go out, that, that we would know that you as our shepherd go before us and that you are with us and that by the gospel, the very life of Christ is in us. And we glory in that and we hope in that and we celebrate that together this morning. We love you, Jesus, our good shepherd, and thank you for loving us first. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said?
Amen. You guys have a great day. We'll see you back tomorrow.